0: With the work mix in dealership shops shifting away from dependence on heavy repairs and more toward maintenance, light repairs, and warranty work, the mix of technicians has shifted too. Instead of trying to load up on A and B techs, service managers are looking for more C and D skill levels. Finding and retaining these technicians presents a new set of challenges for fixed operations managers. In today's training session, Greg Chris will describe some of the practices that he sees the most successful managers use to hire top-quality technicians in a very tough market. We will also learn ways to expand the sources of qualified candidates from Generation Y. And Greg will cover some ideas for improving retention by developing a career path for the Gen Y techs. We'll also see some word tracks that you can use in your ads to attract more qualified applicants. And we'll learn how to get more quality interviews with more qualified applicants. So now let's welcome Greg Chris back to Dealer's Edge. Greg, why don't you take over from here?
1: So let's talk about the appointment. You know, we had let's say we've got a candidate. You know, where we've got a list of candidates.
0: Uh, hey, Greg. Yes. Go Excuse ahead. Excuse me. It's uh, sure. Mike here. Uh, how about if we take a couple questions at this point before we move move further course, on? And, yeah, that's fine. Um Okay. So the first question is. Uh, how many technicians should we have? What's the right number in a service department, and, and is there a template that,
1: that you use? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and there is a, there's a template that we use. One of the things that we need to figure out is, and we work from the bottom of the financial statement up to the top, so what we want to do is figure out what percentage of gross profit to net profit that we want. If that's 30, if that's 50, if that's 60, we determine that number, and then what we do is we determine what gross profit we need to get to get to that thirty sixty, right, by taking the expenses times that number to get to your gross profit. And then the second part of this is we take the gross profit that you currently have and we divide that by the technicians that you have. So that will tell us how much gross profit per technician you're currently doing. And as we project that out, we can divide that number into the gross profit that you need, and it will determine our technician staffing to get to that net to gross number that we need. Uh, if anybody has any questions about that, I certainly be glad to lead you through that process over the phone uh, or send me an email, and I'll kind of outline that for you. But that th- there is a formula that we use to figure that out. Yes.
0: Okay. And uh, next question then is an add-on to that one, if. With, with the changes in the in the work mix, um, how has that affected the the technician mix? It, it, it used to be, it seemed you wanted uh, one A, one B, one C, and one D tech uh, on every in every group. Is that still the case, or has that been reshuffled?
1: Well, I think it has been reshuffled. Depending, you know, again, you have to do the needs analysis on, on what you want, and a part of that needs analysis that that is so important because uh, so many of the manufacturers now, you you have to be skilled in order to do the warning repairs. So you got to look at warning repairs, you know, and what that volume is coming in from the warning repairs and the recalls and the PDIs and all the people that have to be certified in doing that. Uh, um, but, you know, the majority of how we're growing is through oil changes and quick maintenance. I mean, you know, most, uh, not most, but a lot of the manufacturers have, have started some sort of owner-customer retention program with oil changes, whether, you know, GM had it, Toyota Care has it, uh, that kind of thing. And, you know, we're starting to see the retention numbers, you know, a few years ago was in the 30s, you know, and I've got dealers in the 60s right now. So, uh, you know, we're, we're capturing a lot of that business from, from our competition. Um, and we have to grow, I think, in both areas. Uh, uh, but you know, the thing is, is as your as your staff begins to leave, you know, um, and you're going to have people leave. The question is, who do you replace them with? And I think having that needs analysis done starts really putting a nice picture on what's the way you should have your 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 shot mixed out, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. Um... Next question on, on pay plans, is, is flat rate still the way to go, or are you seeing variations on flat rate that work?
1: Yeah, I see, actually there's a hybrid plan that works very well. It's actually working very well for the Gen Ys um, in, in the oil change centers, and what it is is it, it's a mixture, flat rate, and it's a mixture of hourly um, which, you know, uh, what it does is it starts, uh, starts them learning how the, the flat rate system works and starts going through that. Right now, we, we really don't have a substitute uh, for flat rate because the warranty's based off of that. Uh, I have some places that, uh, you know, are doing hourly. And one of the issues that we always, you know, run into is adjusted cost uh, cost of labor. In doing that, so uh, we can get rid of a lot of that um, by starting to use these hybrid pay plans, um, and that's a great way to go with it.
0: Okay, well, one more question before we get back to the workshop. Um, sure. All right. Uh, a technician uh, quits, leaves for greener pastures, whatever they are, finds out that, that things aren't so aren't so good. Um, how do you feel about about rehiring people that used to work for you?
1: Um, I, You know, I think you have to evaluate who it is. Uh, my concern about hiring them back is that a lot of times we're telling all the other uh, technicians, hey, listen, you know, go try something out. If you don't like it, you can come back. Um but again, you know, I, I've seen people leave and uh, have a horrible experience and come back, uh, you know, even better and stronger than before. I just don't think that – I think you've got to do it on a case-by-case case scenario. It's not, it's not something that I would want to adopt as a, as a policy in my service department, though.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with you. The ones I've seen uh, – people leave the job for a reason – and they may tell you it's because they can make more money someplace else, but often that's just an easy way of, of saying something that's not that, that's much more complex. There may have been other reasons why they why they quit, and uh, if those haven't been addressed, if if those reasons are still there, uh, bringing back somebody who was unhappy at one point is they're just going to be unhappy again and take off. So.
1: Well, um, uh, Mike, too. Yeah, and and one of the things, uh, John Maxwell, if anybody's familiar with him. Great leadership trainer. He says that the that people don't quit jobs; they quit managers. So, so, so the question is, you know, if they quit the manager before and they went someplace else, uh, they, you know, bringing them back is what they're going to be working with the same person they quit, right? So,
0: during the interview, uh, when you're asking the candidate. Why are you changing jobs? Why are you interested in leaving your current employer? And they respond, uh, it's personal. I have personal reasons for leaving. Uh, how do you deal with that?
1: Well, I think, I think you have to respect that, and I think you drop the question at that point, but you may come back to that um, and ask other, other, you know, you've got the pain motivators that you figured out, and I would start saying, I would ask them, hey, listen, when you're there, how was the dispatcher? How is this? You know, you have got, to, you may have somebody in front of you that, that is not a good communicator, and you got to pull that information out of them. But if they shut down on you, I'm going to let them shut down, but I'm going to come back to that in a more gentle way by starting to act, talk about the pain points. A lot of times when I start talking about the pain points, you know, then they feel comfortable, and then they'll start sharing some of the situation. If they don't, that could be a red flag, right?
0: But I'm I'm going to come back to that. Okay. All right. Um, We touched on it briefly during the presentation. Uh, You you mentioned referrals or or trying to get referrals. How do you get your current technicians or current dealership staff to refer more employees to potential employees? Well,
1: I think, think number one, they've got to have, uh, you know, a good feeling for where they were, right? I'm not going to refer somebody to some place that I don't particularly like. So, uh, you know, one of the things is, is if they're not referring people, uh, we probably need to do a, do a check on, uh, you know, the happiness of, of of where they are, and and at that point, I think that that uh, you know, there's some referral fees. Gosh, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to spend $1,200 on an ad. Uh, why in the world would I pay a tech for five hundred dollars for a referral for somebody who stays after ninety days? Um, you know, or, or come up with some sort of program like that for them uh, to do that. More than anything else, uh, you know, again, it's recognition. So you know, when that when you do get a referral, you got to make a big deal out of it. So everybody feels that it's a safe thing to do. That it's you know, it's a uh, uh, supported thing to do. That's the other part. Okay. Um, do you see
0: anything happening these days in, in the tool tool assistance or tool subsidies as a way to retain people?
1: I have a lot of dealers who um, are doing that. They're buying tools, shop tools, and they, they keep the shop tools, and I have a lot of dealerships that aren't doing that. I think if we looked at the data between the two, you wouldn't find a lot of difference other than the investment that the dealer makes. Uh, I think that, you know, if if you've got a tech, a CD skilled tech uh, that's coming in and he just got out of some tech school and he doesn't have much tools you know, I think you got to be there to support them. It, it's a big investment. First of all, you know, you're going to probably pay them a, a you know a lower amount. So they they're not going to have a lot of money to, to invest. Um, you know, so I think that if you're not helping them in some way or another, you're kind of missing the boat on the thing. Because uh, uh, you know, when they start talking to other technicians in the shop, and you know, some of those guys invest fifty thousand dollars and up in tools. Um, You know, I've seen $30,000 and $40,000 toolboxes, Uh, that can be pretty overwhelming to them if they feel, you know, uh, that they don't have some help or, you know, again, with the career path, what do you need for each of the levels? What what, what kind of tools are you going to need for these? Um, But, yeah, you know, I think to help them along the way is a good thing. Um, I don't know that you need to go out and invest and buy tools for everybody and have the boxes
0: okay uh and again, come back to this idea of career path mm-hmm. when, when we talk about a career path for mechanical technicians are we are we just talking about moving up the levels from c d c D, and c to a and b uh or are there other jobs that uh, that that you want to at least hold out there as potential for the the tech
1: well, I think you have two entry levels when when you have like a uh, uh, a young CD level entry. You have one where the where the the person knows nothing, right? Uh, they've been around cars. Maybe they, they show an aptitude and they want to be there. And then you have the other person coming in who has been to you know a tech school, Wyotech, UTI. There's many others out there. Um, but so those are kind of like the two entry points. Now there should be a differentiation in where they start, right, in the career path and what they're covering. So to make this perfectly clear, I mean, you know, the first, first thing that you're going to do with a technician who knows nothing, you know, obviously is taking the wheels off of the vehicle. I mean, you're really starting... This person at zero, right? So, so you got to take the wheels off, get put the lug nuts back on, and, and if you have, you know, the wet dry tech uh, for oil change and you know, what those responsibilities are, how those are executed, uh, you know, you go down through that. So maybe, maybe you know, a wet tech level. Uh, you know, is, 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 is one level, a dry tech level is another level. And then you have other levels beyond that. You know, if they, as they become maybe a team leader for the lube uh, experience there, then, you know, they've got that. So there's three levels there that would happen before, you know, an entry level from uh, uh, another, another uh, like UTI or wild tech, one of the technical schools. Uh, so I, I don't think you can have too many levels, I think that especially if you're bringing Gen Y people in, they like to see that. The other thing that I see that some of the great managers have done, have created, you know, in their shop on their uniforms, like, rankings. So, you know, the military does it. Everybody knows what their career path is. You know, I want to go to sergeant. I want to be, you know. Second Lieutenant, you know I want to do all that well, you know the good shops the great managers who are doing this now that get this are, are doing this with the Gen Y people they have level one level two and they may have thirteen or fourteen levels uh you know until they reach you know master or the a status uh it, within their shop and then the factory thing kind of fits in t- t- into their uh outline if that makes sense a lot of times what what i see is we're trying to follow the factory outline for what we're doing and that that's a great attempt but unfortunately the factory outline doesn't really account for you know the person who has zero skills coming in i don't think i don't think they do a great job with that so that's really the challenge and the push in putting together the career path i want to
0: thank all of you for taking time to attend today's workshop uh, we had a, a large crowd, uh, and uh, we thank you for taking the time and expressing the interest. And I'd like to offer special thanks to Greg Chris of Chris Consulting for taking his time today to put, to the, put the workshop together uh, and for sharing his experience and expertise in this area. Uh, Greg tells me he's doing more and more of his practice is devoted to recruiting technicians and working on technician retention. Uh, so he's, if there is an expert in the industry on in this, uh, it's Greg. Uh, again, take advantage of that. Give him a call. With that, uh, we're going to sign off for today. Uh, I'm Mike Bowers with Dealers Edge, and we hope you can join us in our next workshop. Thank you very much.